Yes, hello my friends and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris in a new location. His name is Hayden Winks from the same location. And today, what a show we have. He is the co-host of the Athletic Football Show. You can follow him on Twitter at Nate underscore Tice. Of course, it is Nate Tice, who Hayden and I are both fans of. Nate, how are you doing in this beautiful, lovely preseason? I'm doing. I'm doing great. How are you doing? You seem like you. I just completed my move process, so I'm kind of <laughs> like. I feel like all of a sudden I got my my certification of like uh-huh. all of a sudden. Yeah, I'm a, a proud homeowner. I know exactly what I'm doing. I have no idea. I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but I was I cramped up on the on the show the other day, and as that was happening, as that was happening, I was getting our. We bought a new fridge, and it got delivered right at the same time. So it was like a 30 seconds of just like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing right now. But <laughs> Nate, you <laughs> and I are, are brothers of the same vein because both of my quads cramped yesterday while trying to walk up the stairs. <laughs> uh, it is an issue. It actually popped up during the first date that I ever had with my now roommate, with, with my girlfriend. So uh, smooth. Yeah, so smooth. Yeah. You wonder how I pulled these things off. But yes, I actually went, Nate, from owning a place to now renting a place in Brooklyn. So maybe that's like... One step forward, two steps back, but uh, over here, Hayden carried us for the last two days in a solo stream awesome. for what an hour and fifteen minutes yesterday, Hayden. Yeah, I was it, I was trying to go through every single backfield. I was like, let's do this in an hour. And I'm like, once I got halfway through, I was like, yeah, we're we're waiting <laughs> over an hour. So like the last couple of teams, I was like, uh, all right, you already know about this player next. That's what we always run into. It's always like, hey, we're going to talk about ten guys, ten guys, and it turns into three. Like, you know, because it's like, we're like, oh, we, got, we want to touch on this, we want to touch on this, we want to touch on this. And all of a sudden, it's like Robert and I will go, and all of a sudden, we'll, we'll look down and say it's 55 minutes on the counter. We're like, we have to talk about seven more guys. In yeah. minutes. <laughs> Rapid fire. Let's you, go. You, you think for as much as, as the three of us podcast, we realize that we have a whole summer, weeks during the regular season to talk about every single one of these players and not to like dive deep into every single one each time their name comes up. But we can't help ourselves. We absolutely cannot yeah. help ourselves. And it's because I think a lot, of, and we're us three especially, are so online, is that we see forever every, <laughs> forever, you see every variation of talking point. So you yeah. feel like you're like, okay, I got to talk about this, and I got to talk about this, because I saw some guy tweet that, and I got to talk, and then you're just, after a while, you're like, I don't think anyone knows what I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> I, was, I, started, I started talking about Jonathan Taylor. I ended up talking about like some 1994 running back from the Vikings. Like, you know, <laughs> you know just that's how the conversation goes sometimes. Absolutely love it. Okay. So today, the outline for today's show, basically, Nate is Atlas. He's going to carry us today. What we did, Hayden and I charged Nate by sending him the list of ADPs over on Underdog Fantasy. Nate you know, has maybe a mm, not disinterest in fantasy right now, but he has an interest in preseason action and hasn't dived completely deep into ADPs at the moment. So he is like outside of this bubble that we all live in. And so he's able to survey the entire list, top 200, and he's going to pick out five to 12 names of ones that we are maybe overlooking, undervaluing, overvaluing, along the way. Nate, was that a good outline of the challenge that we gave you? Kind of, a little bit. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I know, I kind of, I just, like, football ombudsman, like, because I kind of just touch on everything with around the NFL, especially, and it's like, I just parachute in and out of sections of the year. So it's like, draft season comes comes along. Okay, I'm going to just go on a bunch, you know, start talking about draft season, and then I parachute back out. And then it's like, for this, the same thing. It's like, I'm big into fantasy. I've done it my entire life. 
um, now that I'm not with a team. So it's even easier to talk about that. <laughs> so it's uh, it's a little more uh, opening to uh, discuss this a little bit. But I, I got to be honest. Yeah, I haven't looked at ADPs. I know who I like, but then it's really nice for me now to kind of take this Perfect. deep breath and go and look at it and go, oh, that's what people are thinking. And that's it's a lot of fun for me. Perfect. Okay. So we do not know who Nate is going to pick. This is even a going to be a shock and a surprise for all of us. You'll get our natural reactions. So Nate, first of all, who is the player that myself, Hayden, the football collective, the fancy football bubble is overlooking? Okay. Well, and I, I told you guys this before, I'm going to try and find a little bit more undervalued guys, but one of the guys, and this is someone I've talked about a lot throughout this past off season uh, as being someone that I think is going to have a breakout year just not only in quote-unquote real football, but also in fantasy-wise, and that's Noah Fan, uh, tight end for the Denver Broncos. Um, right now his ADP is at tight end 10, and I don't think he'll end up in that elite top three territory, but just outside, maybe that second tier. And I mean that just in real football-wise and fantasy-wise. And Broncos offense, we all know who's starting at quarterback. I mean, we don't know that, but that's the question is who's starting at quarterback because they got really a lot of nice pieces. They got a lot of nice coaches. I would say the scheme's solid i wouldn't say it's bad i wouldn't say it's good it's just solid kind of traditional type of scheme they run the ball well but that's what's so nice about noah fan is he came into the league as just an athlete coming from iowa and iowa has some polish with stuff but it's he had a way to go he's been coached up really well and this guy is like ready to ascend into like a really 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 good player because he's dynamic he can stay on the field all three downs he's not just a guy they have to hide like a john U. smith type or something like that, where it's like they can truly highlight him no matter where they want. They can split him out. They can line up in line. That matters. He's a three-down tight end, which is just so – it's very hard to find. And on top of that, uh, just touched on it for a second, was no matter who's starting at quarterback, the tight end, it's kind of a saying is tight end's a quarterback's best friend, especially a rookie. Um, but I know it's, I know it's Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy doesn't push the ball downfield much. We we've kind of know that his A-dot's always going to be lower. He's more of a – very smart cerebral quarterback who kind of like Brad Johnson. That's who I've compared to him. <laughs> I said Teddy Bridgewater and Brad Johnson are like the same quarterback. It's actually kind of funny, but he finds tight ends because he's going to work inside all the time. And then Drew Locke, who I think struggles sometimes reading out a play, he's going to find the tight end because it's right in front of you where those routes come from. The tight end, the running back are the easiest routes to find as a quarterback because it's like, oh, shoot, I don't know what this route concept is. Oh, there's a tight end. All right, take it down. So I think he's going to get a lot of those touches, which he got last year, but it's just going to ascend another year. And yeah, I think he'll end up kind of more of in that tight end four, five, six range than tight end 10. And uh, yeah, I'll start out with Noah Fan. I think it's like the perfect narrative is like, we all know that the Broncos offense could struggle, but if there's a player that could ascend, it is kind of these onesie positions where what if like Mark Andrews kind of has another down year and then all of a sudden he leapfrogs a couple guys who aren't only being drafted that far ahead of him. And it's easy for Drew Locke to find Noah Fant because he's 6'6 and is running faster than anybody in the middle of the field. And I think you're, the, the best point is a lot of these tight ends get subbed off the field in like certain situations. And I was surprised Noah Fant was in line, I, I believe, 73% of his snaps, which means that in certain packages, third and longs, he's probably in the slot a little bit. But when it's uh, third and three, he's on the field still on the play action rollout stuff. So. Yeah. he's just somebody I want to keep moving up as much as I can because like the athletic traits are super rare. And like you said, he's a better blocker than I think most people were anticipating coming out of school. Yeah. And now he's like the full package. Yeah. That's exactly it. He's a true Y tight end and, and not in a Y in the sense of 
just like my, how my dad was just a full-time blocker. It's a why then the sense a modern why that can, and I, I use the term more for a safety where I say a two-way safety. Cause I mean, they could play the run in the past. Cause that's kind of, that's a whole nother discussion. This is a fantasy. We don't have to worry about that shit. Uh, but it's, uh, but for tight end, it's, it's same thing. It's he can run block. He can pass protect if they have to ask him to do that, but that's, he's on the field. It's not like, and over the season, when you see guys, you see it's for running backs a lot. And, but, tight ends is really the huge tell is defenses will call start calling plays based on who's at what position. I mean, it's just tendencies and a guy that's like, Oh, he's only on the field for passes. It's going to tip off. It's going to tip off the defense. It just is over time. Unless the guy's a true freak or the offense is really creative and yada, yada. And there are those, but this offense, which I think is more of a solid offense. It's like, no, that matters more than no fit. Never has to come off the field. He can line up as a true tight end, which is just, it's nice. <laughs> it's really, really nice. It, this is a player who's kind of in that cluster of tight ends. We've talked about Noah Fant a little bit because it's it's Dallas Goddard, it's Logan Thomas, it's Tyler Higby, it's Noah Fant, and Robert Tunyon. Each of those players are within like 20 spots of each other right now in ADP. And, and Hayden and I, from our perspective, had said, okay, if you just put those four or five players just on a piece of paper and say which one is the phenom, which one just has these athletic traits that maybe a year from now – is considered a top five, like you're talking about tight end at the position. Look, I think Dallas Goddard is extremely talented. Obviously, Logan Thomas has come a long way in terms of learning the position and really emerging the Scott Turner offense. Tyler Higby has these spike weeks, and obviously Robert Tunyon was extremely efficient in his touchdown score last year. But Noah Fant has all of those pieces like you outlined. And this is, if a better host might have pitched this to you better, but this is exactly why we wanted to bring you because you are bringing elements of the X's and O's and the elements of, of how this team is going to structure their offense and call their offense and why that also might be. So it's not just the traits that we have with Noah Fant too. Yes. It's the usage and all that together, again, at like a 109 ADP right now, when we all search for tight ends of that area, Noah Fant might be the answer. Nate, yeah. real quick, can, can I ask you about Irv Smith? Uh, Adam Troutman, Anthony Frickster, all these keep guys. Going, keep going. I mean, every tight end two right now are the problem is is I don't know if they're going to be on the field all the time. Like Irv Smith, I want him to break out, but is he going to be on the field like on an eleven personnel because like he didn't run that many routes last year. And also on that offense in the Kubiak Shanahan offense, that tight end, especially a freaky athlete like Irv Smith, is used more situationally. Right, and it's more he's a guy that more in real life like more high value or high variance or you know, high leverage situations matters more than maybe, you know, those six yards that he created is more impactful in a real game than fantasy where it's only 0.6 points. You know, it's, it's, that is the difference for like an Irv Smith. That's how I see him in that type of offense. But it's funny you brought up because this is a guy I actually was going to bring up maybe as a rapid fire guy, but Anthony Ferkser, I think he's a deeper sleeper type. I really do Uh, more than, I mean, he's tight end 21. I think he's, I think he's going to more can be that low end, low, low, low end tight end one type because it's, how they used him before, he is a matchup problem in the Titans. Might as well just talk about him right now. Um, but he, uh, he's he's another guy. He was more situational. So talking about Irv Smith being used just situationally, Ferkser will get some of the more John, John Smith touches, where it was the screens, uh, maybe just more designery plays, where it's like, hey, we're getting this guy the ball to let him work. He ascended whenever they did that to him in the red zone or third down. And now Todd Downing, the tight end coach, who's now the offense coordinator, he's going to highlight him like on first and second down now. And I think that's where, and then that's a, those are the guys that get the benefits of having two awesome receivers. Is a guy like Ferkser also going like I can just run a route that's good. I don't have to 
carry this whole team. I can be the only option. That's what having Julio and AJ Brown helps. But I think Anthony Furster is another guy that I think he's going to get targets. He already got the high value ones, but now he's going to get more of those, you know, glut of targets. This is the danger of having you on, Nate, because uh, now I not to ask you about Todd Downing, and because we know <laughs> nothing about him. Uh, obviously, Arthur Smith is is off to Atlanta, and what I keep bringing up with Arthur Smith is just his sorcery inside the twenty, inside the ten yard line. Like it's it's not just a fluke in terms of him being the absolute best in the NFL at it. Like they were first and second the last two years. There's going to be some other changes, obviously, in Tennessee. What changes do you expect them just to look at differently? Um, in terms of either maybe more pass volume, less efficiency, different ways they utilize things. Because obviously hiring from within, we all think, well, they're just going to try to run the exact same thing. Yeah, and it, it's going to be it's going to be kind of what – if Arthur Smith stayed there, that's what I think that our offense is going to look like, just kind of like the next step of it. But downing – and actually I talked about this with Robert this week, which was great, is uh, he is so good. Like a lot of, a lot of offensive coaching staffs and defensive – if it's red zone, it's the third down. They have one coach kind of take the lead on it, and the offensive coordinator kind of has his input. With Downing, it's he got that third down to red zone stuff. It's that that's what he's really, 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 really freaking good at is that he was in charge of third down, in charge of red zone when I was with him in the Raiders before he became the offensive coordinator. He's always been a red zone kind of guy. So it's like I will credit a lot of that the plus stuff to him. And talking uh Robert just the other day, it was that I think – just the offense is going to look the same. It really is. There's, it's just going to be a couple more of those tweaks that I think Arthur Smith was going to do anyways. And then Todd Downing is just going to add maybe a couple of his wrinkles that you would only see in the red zone third down, but now you see it on first and second down. All right. Before we get to your number two, get that ready. I am going to pitch everyone out bad. there on, on, <laughs> on a few things. We have our free draft guide, which is listed down Start. below in the description. Go ahead. It is free, free, free. You get a $25 for free, actually. Just use promo code the show. It's got our cheat sheet. It's got our position rankings. We're going to do a huge update here in a little bit. So go and download that again in the link in the description. All right, Nate, can you hear me? Are we good? I can. I can. Okay. I think. I, I, my internet was great. It was great. No, you're good. You're good. And then also go, I was just cutting out. <laughs> go ahead with the second okay. player that you think needs a readjustment here for fantasy drafters. Um, another guy. And again, this is, I'm not saying this guy's going to be a star top two tier, but maybe like a low, low end RB2 flex type is Gio Bernard. Um, I see him right now as running back 54. And I think, and this is kind of a weird thing to say. It's like, this is really hard for me coming from the football world is sometimes value in real life and value in fantasy. And, but I still think even statistically, he's going to, he's going to matter. He's going to make a like make a step, even with Leonard Fournette there, Leonard Fournette was getting all these targets in the past game and he led the league in drop percentage. And so no matter how crappy he was, Tom Brady was still feeding him. You know, he was still kind of checking it down to him, still trying to throw it into the flat, still trying to check it down. And I think now what, even in those third down situations, they're playing Shady McCoy. Like, and Shady McCoy is a terrible pass protector. Like, he he's always been awful. So now with McCoy not creating pass protection, he's a shell of himself as a creator. Now Bernard's more of that steady Eddie. So it's not going to be anything game-changing where it's like, oh, he's put as a guy like in a pinch or a guy on the back of your roster and a bench, like kind of just throw him in there or maybe as a flex or something like that. I think he has more value um, even just in real life but also fantasy-wise because I think those targets and stats will add up over time. Because I, I just 
Fournette wasted them. <laughs> it's like they were there. I really do think those targets were there. It's just I think Fournette just didn't do anything with them. He just trip and fall or you drop the ball or something of that sort. Or And I think Ronald, you know, uh, Ronald Jones is solid. I just think Bernard's going to have more fit with what exactly what Arians wants to do in that kind of role at the running back position. And Brady's fine with it. I mean, we've seen James White ascend a few years ago. He's comfortable feeding the backs all the time. So they have all those weapons. Guys might be pushing back. You know, defenders might be dropping, dropping, dropping. So the underneath stuff might pop open for running backs, especially in more passing situations. So I think Gio Bernard, I'm not saying he's going to be a star, uh, you know, fantasy wise, but I think maybe a tier or two better than where he is right now. In the preseason, I think the first team offense played six snaps. The first two went to Leonard Fournette on first and second down. Then in comes Giovanni Bernard on third down. He actually picks up a first down. Then Ronald Jones gets the next two carries. And then here comes Giovanni Bernard on third down again. So I think it's, it will be a headache. I think all three of them will get action. But I do think that we feel pretty confident that Giovanni Bernard will be the pass down back for the entire season. So I think in, in full PPR, maybe more so than in half PPR, but I do think that he's he's locked into a role. Yeah, Nate, I mean, it was pretty obvious that Tom Brady just hated throwing Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn the football last year. And like, even though the w- person who wins Best Ball Mania 2 will make more money this year than Giovanni Bernard does <laughs> on his contract, uh, this is going to be an important piece. Right, exactly. This is going to be an important piece of this Bucks offense because we just know that Tom has already always had that type. And I, I think back to his last year in New England, Nate, when like, Things went wrong. He was just like, okay, I'm going to make it happen by running at like the highest, near the highest pace, near the highest neutral pass rate in New England. Now we're expecting everything to go correct with Tampa Bay because they're bringing back all these starters. But that's always in his back pocket, especially in like those turbo or two minute situations. Having Geo on the field in in that scenario, I think, can pay dividends and especially for an offense that we expect to put up huge numbers this year. Even though we saw it only like a a tiny sample, what was in your mind, what do you think was the biggest change, Nate, last year, like this final six or seven weeks plus the playoffs versus the first 10 in last year's NFL season? Uh, for uh, Sorry, cut out over there. My bad. No, My no. cut out, I'm sure. No, no, no. But, uh, for, for the Bucks, For the Bucks. I just mean because oh, so, the final seven so for, versus the first the 10. the offense went along that season. At, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. It's, it was right after the bye week. Uh, yeah. And I think what they really did was like, okay – we thought we knew what Brady would be comfortable with, but then they just cut out all the shit that he didn't like. And I, so they went with more, less of the stuff, pushing it outwards and more pushing downfield. Uh, Brady was like, hey, I'm tired of planting my foot and throwing a field throw and throwing a pick six, like because he did it twice, I think, early in the year. And so they cut out stuff like that. They tied in some more of those Patriot play action stuff to look like more of the Aryan stuff. It was kind of like a, there was like a hodgepodge, because the concepts aren't that crazy different. They really aren't. They just made the action more similar because Brady likes to turn his back on play action. Like it gets a more rhythm. And so I think that's what they tied in a little bit more with that. And they just kind of took out fat. They, they just took out the stuff that he wasn't good at. And then they just moved it to more of those overs, overs, overs. And then they spammed the shit out of it. Like they just, they just did not care about calling it over and over and over. And I think that's what happened. It's just the bye week, bye week came up. They're like, okay, what don't you like? Okay. What do you like? Okay. And then we went from there and we saw they won a Super Bowl with it. Um, and then they just went from there. Do you want me to switch out my internet real quick just to see just to see if this is sure, sure. Up a you wanna, if you want if you want to bounce <laughs> okay. out and then and then you can log back in. Give Kate me, and I will bounce stuff back and forth real give quick. Me five okay? No, you're good. Okay, you're good. give me give me 15 seconds. I'll take two seconds. 
Um, Hayden, that is a fascinating point to me because we've talked about Giovanni Bernard. I think that the spike weeks do help him. I also think that like all of the opportunity concerns are kind of baked in because James White is the running back being selected right ahead of him. Xavier Jones is the other running back being selected right ahead of him. Um, any thoughts on just this Bucks offense? I was going to ask him about Antonio Brown too because I know that's an element that we still have questions about. As for Giovanni Bernard, I just don't think that Underdog is the right platform for Giovanni Bernard and what he brings to the table. So I, I don't disagree with anything that Nate said. Just give me Alexander Madison, Chuba Hubbard, and Darrington Evans at similar price points just because their upsides could actually win you these massive tournaments. And Giovanni Bernard's won't do that. But the, the role is so so there. And like the Bucks, just after the, the bye week, their offense was literally unstoppable. And all those yeah. splits were road games in the playoffs. I mean, they were dominating on the road in the playoffs. It wasn't just like a cupcake scheduled. So uh, I, I don't know how you can be betting against any of the Buck stuff this year. It's kind of funny too. I'm just going to swoop right back in. Is the, uh, It's so funny because that it's one of those things where statistically in the eye test matched because it yes. was like that, which is the best, which is I, I, I always looked at uh, statistical stuff, analytical stuff, which I guess is the same, um, but also just eye tests and just also trait stuff. It's all pieces of the puzzle. Some guys, it's a gigantic piece of the puzzle where it's like the traits matter more than anything. And then, okay, maybe some stat stuff, you know, it just fits in right there. And then some, some things or schemes or anything, it's like, okay, one, like, it's just, oh man, the eye test says this. I don't care what the stats say, but it was like, it was everything showed that the buck, the bucks did what they did. And honestly, looking back, it was, which I, I even looked at my notes because it was just, as the playoffs went along, I was like, the bucks were, look really good, but I never was like, they're going to win the Super Bowl. You know, I yeah. mean, I wish I and I wish I did. Of course, we, uh, this is always hindsight's twenty twenty. It's like, but looking at my notes, it just kept saying like, "Oh, the Bucks looks like freaking awesome. The Bucks are great. <laughs> yeah. The Bucks, the Bucks offense, they really figured it out. They figured." And I was just like, "Just listen to yourself, Nate. Like, just listen to yourself." Like I was saying it the whole time. And then, but that's you kind of miss that in the noise sometimes in the heat of the moment. And now when we take a step back, and it's like, well, if they are going to look like the second half of the year, they keep bringing everyone back. I like, know. Health is the it, only thing. They, I, I, yeah, I sit back because, and this isn't the same thing because not all 22 starters returned, but when Cam Newton won his MVP and, you know, was carrying a pass-catching group of, like, Jericho Cotri, Ted Ginn, yeah. yeah. Devin Funches, Philly freaking Brown, and that was without what we thought at the time, Calvin Benjamin, who had just, like, you know, been decent, right? Decent. Yeah. yeah. And, and when he came back, I, I even thought, like, well, what can this offense be – with him back in the fold after Cam just won, but then it never like goes according to plan like that. But this team is just so deep at so many spots. And like Tristan Wirfs at right tackle last year as a rookie was absolutely phenomenal, like fixed all the little gaps in his game or like the overextension to his game that he had at Iowa. And the, the question here, Nate, is also what the hell is a 17 game Antonio Brown for the regular season? Is your wide receiver three going to bring to the table too? No. And like there are, all those positions are just stacked. It's like yeah. they have three tight. They have three. We well, just talked about Noah Fant being a legit wide tight end, and I was you just heard me gush about that. They have three of them. Yeah. <laughs> Cameron Cameron Bray could start for twelve teams. I mean, legitimately start for half the league as like the number one tight end. Everyone would be like, "Yeah, I'm good." He's there like number two, number three. It's like, and then you have Gronk and OJ Howard. It's like, and then you get to the receiver room. And of course, the big three that they have. I'm a huge Chris Godwin fan, and and just because what he brings to the table and and football wise. But Antonio Brown, Mike Evans. Okay, so you have the perfect X Y Z uh, X F Z, and then on top of that, some of their role players are ridiculous. Scotty Miller, 
Um, Tyler Johnson's actually pretty good. I know yep. Darden uh, uh, from North Texas guys are high, and I think he's done okay in camp. It's like Darden would be like a number three or four for most teams. He's yep. he's might not make it. Like you know, I mean, he, <laughs> yeah. he, he will. They draft him high enough, but it's like holy crap! It's yeah. that's how stacked they are. And like Tyler Johnson, other teams would be talking about how happy they are about the second year player. It's like receiver five for him. Like it's loaded, loaded. That's what's ridiculous. That's why it's uh, it's. I always try to kind of go against the grain a little bit. Not go again, actively do it, but kind of like you know. Hey, everyone's on this on this wavelength. All right, how what 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 can I look at differently? I just don't see a way to look at them I know. differently because even defensively they get better. It's like oh my god, like maybe if they have a shitty kicker, or a bad punter, you know, <laughs> the long <laughs> the long snapper breaks his hand, you know, something like that. Nate, they can always try to take a kicker in round two, maybe next year to to, to yeah. fix that hole. They try to handicap themselves. They tried, <laughs> you know. It didn't seem the matter. And, and I know this is a fancy podcast, but like Joe Tryon with all his athletic traits just that's, running by offensive tackles already, like that's not fair. After JVP played like the highest number of snaps of any edge rusher last season, this isn't fair. This is not. Let's add add depth. Let's just add depth. Okay, so we might not resign this guy, JP. Yeah. Okay. Let's just get. Let's just get the next guy who he could be a role player as a rookie. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, that's fun. That's a lot of fun. All right, get <laughs> get number three ready once again. Go and uh, download the draft guide down below. We'll also be back tomorrow at 7 p.m. leading off until two preseason contests. Hayden and I will be outlining our favorite players outside of the top 100. Cannot wait for that show. All right, Nate, who, again, needs a little bit of more love or maybe even the opposite that we might be a little too high on right now? I'm going to say positive for this one, but I'll, I'll get to the negativity soon enough. But I, I think maybe this guy got a little overvalued as a rookie, and then now it's almost like he's undervalued, and that's CEH. And I, I right now he's running back 14. I just think, I think he might end up like way up there uh, this season. Well, we're talking about the old line with Mahomes and the benefits of that with Mahomes. CEH is going to get the benefit too, and I think they're going to lean more into him. And just seeing what I've seen in practice clips, uh, I know that's not everything, but I try to see as much as I can from that. And just how they used them last year, Travis Kelsey, as dynamic as he is, an incredible player, one of the best players in the league, he's not blocking money, people. He's just, he isn't. They split him out. He's a de facto X receiver. He's incredible. So I understand why they do that. But when you get into that, when you don't have the attached tight end, you can't run that many run schemes, especially in NFL football, because the quarterback will get most of them are QB runs in college. You're not going to do that Patrick Mahomes much. You don't you don't want him. He's a four hundred million dollar man. You don't want him taking a lot of hits. So with with that, it's I think with this all this O line, you can see them who they signed or who they went after. Okay, they got Orlando Brown, they got Creed Humphrey, both from Oklahoma guys. Who those guys and if you guys see me on Twitter talk about it a few times. They pull their guys, and and as opposed to when you're in that open offense with no tight end, you have to run inside zone or draw or option. Okay, you're not going to run the option that much with Mahomes. The draw, okay, you can sprinkle in a couple times. You only can do that so much. What happened with Ceh a whole bunch of times was they run this inside zone, and it'd just be a linebacker there, and it'd be a three to three to five yard gain, which is fine, but it's not sexy. You know, it's not like the explosives that you're trying to gain in the run game. So why they got these these guys, these more athletic guys that are used to pulling, is they're going to run more of this GT counter scheme. And I'm, I'm going to get a little bit into it, which is just two pullers. Usually you see a guard and a tight end pull, but now it's the guard and tackle. And if you watch any college football, you see Oklahoma run it five million times a game. 
and it's and Lincoln Rowe is pretty pretty damn good at what he does. So there's a reason they run it. <laughs> and so I think the Chiefs watched it or just like, all right, let's lean into it. And they fully leaned into it. And I think I've seen some clips. And CEH looks really freaking good with some pullers in front of him. He knows how to set up a run. He's not the most explosive guy, but he's a smooth athlete. I compared him to Walde Moore. Moore is kind of like a three-down guy. But that's another thing. He can play all three downs. He can pass protect. Like it's, And with the O-line being better, you don't have to chip help as much. So the running back doesn't have to worry about chipping the tackle and then running a check down. Now he can get out and run a route. So it's like, just like he's going to have more opportunities because now it's just going to be better opportunities just because the plays are going to be better and the players in front of them are going to be better. It's just going to be easier for him. I think that's a better way to look at it. Um, but I I think he, yeah, he's at 14 right now. I, I see him being more of a run back single digits, you know, up there uh, as a top 10 back. And yeah, I'm pretty, I'm, pre- I'm really excited as, as I think everybody that watches football is to watch the Chiefs offense this year. In the preseason, CEH didn't come off the field with the starters. Not including like the second drive after they pulled Mahomes, Tyreek Hill and some of the other guys were out there. And CEH was literally out there for every single play except the last play out on that Brian, Brian Pringle touchdown. So mm-hmm. if you're getting three down, every single down CEH and attach this offense, like it doesn't even matter if CEH is good or bad. Like that, that's already enough exactly. for fantasy. <laughs> exactly. Just the, that the, he has the ability to play three downs. It's right. like, okay, cool. Like, it's, it's just like, yeah, like you said, he could just be average and it's just, good. just targets and touches wise. It's going to be so good. Such good looks. When you have Patrick Mahomes makes everybody's life easier. <laughs> coaches, coach or coaches, O line receivers running back. Everybody's life is a lot easier. Yeah. I, I where you're saying it running back 14 was he's being drafted right now. I, I agree with you that like, that's to me, Hayden, like the absolute floor of maybe his possible ceiling. And sure, there's going to be some players drafted after him that finish above. But I look at, you know, Antonio Gibson, who's going as, as running back 11, who I absolutely love. Nate, you're probably a big fan too, but just from a usage standpoint, and while we like Washington's offense and, and it has improved, there is no more bankable offense in the NFL than, than the chiefs right now. And I feel like Nate, part of this is just like a concoction of disappointment based on last season, because so many of us got so excited that, Oh, could this be Andy Reid's next Brian Westbrook? Let's take it. Yeah. Let's take it with the sixth (laughs) overall selection. And then he's not awful, but he certainly does not hit on, on that draft capital. And I think a major part of it was he only had 36 receptions last season. I mean, I expect easily, 20, 25, 30 more potentially. And actually, I think it was, I think it was Robert who came on this show and talked about, you know, this guy who talked about how with these added additions along the offensive line, they're going to be more comfortable running more of a screen game too, to go along with the pulling and the power and everything. So we might see more manufactured touches, hopefully, especially inside the 10 yard line to someone like CEH. I'm in love just like you are. Yeah, and when you improve the old line, that's the thing is everything in your playbook, your fancy playbook is available. That's really it is. All these coaches have everything. Like, they do. It's just a lot of times they're like, we can't do that shit because our right tackle can't block anybody, like, you know, which the Chiefs found out a lot last year. And so I, that's what happens, especially some of these guys just get unlocked by everybody else getting better because then it's like, oh, now I can run the plays that I want to run. Like, it's not just like, here's inside zone again, again, all right, four-yard gain. Because – we we watched all watch CEH. His game wasn't making a guy missing a phone booth. Like it was really good vision, really good tempo on his runs. He was a smart player. Like that's why he could play all three downs, and he was great out of the backfield. And so it made sense he went to the Chiefs because you're like, oh, they're gonna throw the ball 50 times. 
perfect. You know, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna get all those balls out of the backfield, but you can't running five wide stuff or or um uh, uh five man protection over and over and over is fine when the O line can hold up. Uh, even with Mahomes being the fastest trigger man in the NFL, is it's hard to hold up running that 20 times yeah. a game. And so now it's like, it's just opportunities. That's all it is. It's just uh, real opportunities where it's actually running a route, not pass protect and then run it around. It's like, hey, it's get up field. Hey, am I crazy? His ADP has dropped a little bit, hasn't it? Like he's now at the back end of it's round so two weird. beyond those other running backs like Najee Harris and Joe Mix and Antonio Gibson when before it was kind of above some of those names. There's a lot of two down backs being drafted ahead of them in worse yes. offenses. And like, I mean, just like do the math. Like it's, it's that, not that impossible. That's like I said, scheme and stats. We're matching up right here. Cause that's exactly it. It's like, just look at it. It's like, this just kind of makes sense. <laughs> hey, now I don't know about you, but I'm feeling pretty good when two of the three people that we've discussed so far, we have individual videos on, on the channel right now that Nate and I, we're all seeing eye to eye here. Yeah. I, I think CH has a top six ceiling. At the running back position. I, I think that's absolutely sure. that there's a path to that. All right. Number four, Nate Tice. What does the film tell you? Okay. So uh, I'm going to go with a rookie. And uh, I think uh, my favorite rookie in this whole thing, and I, I did, did like Najee Harris, but it was Michael Carter with the Jets. And okay. I think, and even watching the preseason game, I w- finally got to watch the actual film yesterday, is he looked fantastic. He really did. He His vision my streamable, which is where I usually upload my clips and edit them before I put them on, wasn't working yesterday. So otherwise I would have tweeted these, but uh, missed out on that Twitter dopamine. But it's, uh, but, you know, <laughs> but with Michael Carter, it's when he, I was writing him up, I gave him the same grade as Travis Etienne. So I actually would make this a twofer. I'm just going to talk about two rookie backs real quick. I, I would say Travis Etienne is overvalued right now. And then I think Michael Carter is undervalued. Uh, I, I would flip those two on where they're sitting right now. Um, I because I think Michael Carter one, he's gonna be RB1 there. Uh, I think week one, like even if maybe he's not starting, I think touch wise he is because he's too good not to play. Um, when watching North Carolina stuff, they pulled a lot of guys. We just talked about counter, they did, ran the crap out of that. They were on RPOs, um, off of that. But I thought anytime they ran zone, Carter looked phenomenal. Like he run, he runs like, uh, like a Diet Coke version of Alvin Kamara, like where he's just really kind of smooth, like not explosive, but just very smooth, good vision, good pace. And I, I just really liked him. It was just like a shorter version of that. And guess who runs outside zone? The Jets. They're gonna be they're gonna be in a Kubiak Shanahan offense. I mean, full blown. The first couple of plays, I was like, oh yeah, there it is. That's that's Shanahan's offense right there, there, then and there. He looked great in it. It's like he has that vision. Even if the O line's gonna be okay, they got a couple. You know, Beckton's phenomenal. Um, they drafted the rookie uh, from USC at the left guard. I just think that offense kind of, you know, as we all know, lifts the floor. You know, just because it makes it so simple for everybody else. So I really do think he's undervalued right now because I don't think people realize because he's a fourth round rookie. I get that. I guess I, I get that's a little bit of a leap of faith, but you just gotta look at it. It's like I think he is the real deal. And the film, the, I know it's preseason. But he did look good, and the speed of play didn't look look like nothing to him. So I was like, okay, cool, all right, cool. What I saw, North Carolina is translating at least week one of preseason. Um, and on the flip side, ETN, maybe this is just because I'm I had the same grade on Carter and ETN in in my draft process. ETN is because he's terrible at pass protection. He is no matter how you want to shake it, he's awful. He has to improve that. I get why Urban's saying oh, we're going to put him out running back almost as like a gadget jet sweep guy. That's fine. That's all good. But that's like what, two touches a game, just coming off of that stuff. And then maybe, you know, five carries a game, seven carries, because 
he's a speed guy. His vision's okay. I would say it's actually pretty good, but then it's, he's his, I, I keep saying pace and tempo. It's because guys, um, if you ever play Madden, you don't want to hit the trigger right away until you get past the line of scrimmage, right? Same thing in real life. You don't want these guys to get right up onto the offensive line and, and convolute the play. He did that a lot in college and he can get away with it because he's so athletic and fast. And he's still a good player. Don't get me wrong. I just think his upside is more of a, in a real football is as a role, a super role player than as a true guy that's going to get 20 something touches a day uh, in a game. And I just, especially as a rookie and especially with James Robinson there, who is a guy that I do think should be getting 20 plus touches a game because he is a true legitimate three down running back. I mean, as legit as legit can be, it's one still one of the worst draft picks uh, and we've people have not gotten negative about this enough. So I'm, I'm using this opportunity to kind of unfold on un, roll on this because it's just, I, I don't get it because James Robertson's legit. I mean, he's a really good pack and I just don't see ETN like ounce run back 21. You know, that's a, what mid-level run back two right now. And ju- just to jump in here on, on <laughs> ETN and the Jaguars to me, Nate, and I think people already have such a negative narrative pointed towards urban Meyer already. And I understand it in some elements. And I think one of them is he cares so much about speed and juice. Like that's immediately what he said when they drafted ETN and why he also said that they wanted Kadarius Tony. But like, I thought that there were other ways to inject that other than having that selection at a spot where you spent absolutely nothing on as a team and have a legit guy that can have 20 touches who now as running back 32 and James Robinson, I have no idea how a season is about to unfold. I don't either. It's, I, that, it just doesn't make sense to me. It like breaks my brain a little bit because it was like, you got what you want. You got an undrafted running back who like, under, like what, what are you doing? <laughs> like it just, if you want speed, take guy in the third or fourth round, you know, there's, there was speed guys. There was, um, uh, I'm blanking on his name. He went to the San Fran out of uh, Lu- uh, Louisiana Lafayette, like uh, Elijah Mitchell. Eli Mitchell. Like, Elijah yeah. Mitchell. Yeah. Eli Mitchell. Take him. Like, you know what I mean? If you want speed at the position, take him. Or take yeah. Kenny Nagawaru, the Vikings took. I'm blanking on his name too. But it's like, take him. Yeah. Like, you know, th- there's your speed. There's your speed. Like, you know, yep. guess where they took him? The fourth round and what, the sixth round? Yep. Yeah. And that's why I – yeah, urban urban's been interesting. Uh, interesting to watch. <laughs> um, it's I don't know what's have you seen. Uh, Trevor Lawrence looks great, uh, but it's uh, yeah. I, I, actually, there's another Jaguar player. I will, I will touch on in a sec. But yeah, I just think that 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 those three running backs, Carter, James Robinson, Etienne, it's just just it's not adding up to me. Yeah, it's just not adding up right now. Could I ask you a question about just coaches look at with size? My biggest concern for Carter is. I, he's smaller, but he can run between the tackles. I think that people want to put him as like a passing down back. But like you said, I think his vision, his timing, and his burst when he has the opportunity is all good enough to run between the tackles. Does the coaching staff look at 5'8", 201 pounds, never touch the ball uh, too many times in college and just say, this is a guy that we can max him out at like 10 touches per game? Or do you think there's more that Carter can kind of evolve into? It's one of those in theory, I'm sure, but going into the game, they go, hey, you know, we got to limit his touches throughout the season. And then coaches in the heat of the moment forget that shit right away. I'm telling you, <laughs> this is how it operates. Oh, there's a game Khalil Mack was supposed to be on a pitch count. He ended up playing 100% of the snaps one time. It was one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen. He's supposed to play like 40 snaps because we're saving him up for the Thursday game. And he ended up playing every snap of the game. You know, it's just what it is. Um, no, that that's a great thing you brought up because that is, was my one negative with him was I thought ideally – he would have another guy that could eat some carries with him that kind of like how he had in college, but I, not as truly split like that. 
but more of a 70 30 type of thing. Uh, because yes, that does matter. And I, he at least made the 200 pound mark, which I do think is a big threshold for running backs. Uh, it's, it's really a big deal. Just holding up a wear and tear, not so much height. It's actually one of those things where the height and the weight actually helps him because yep. now he's a little more, <clears throat> a little more thick. <laughs> so it, that he's does short, not it. small. Yeah. It, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. He's short, not small. And, and that's, so yes, I think where you're concerned does, does make sense, but how they're going to use him, I think they're, they're going to find touches in other ways where it's at least he's getting outside. That's one benefit of the outside zone is that you're not running power where you're taking a yep. linebacker or a nose tackle shot every play just to the side. Boom. Those add up. It's a little more in space. So maybe it's a safety hit um, a linebacker coming from the side. It might be a little more speed on it or a corner making a tackle. Just the hits are just maybe 10% less. Um, and that does add up over time. But no, that's a great, great point. That was a negative I had with them too. Yeah, I look back at some of the San Francisco backs, obviously, with with Michael Four working there. And it was uh, Matt Breida was less than 200 pounds coming out of school. And Raheem Moser was less than 200 pounds coming out of school. And obviously, neither one, you know, is a full-time back. But what actually stands out to me, Nate, is if we continue to get the usage that we got in preseason week one with Michael Carter, he's going to continue to fall down our fantasy draft boards because um, Ty Johnson got the stars working. That was without Tevin Coleman. So maybe we can galaxy brain this a little bit and say – we might see the best Michael Carter in week one and not until then. Like yeah. this is maybe the positive element. And Hey, I'm kind of getting excited about this, that if he drops down to like running back 33, running back 35, we can point to this clip and say, Hey, while the usage wasn't there as a number one running back in preseason activity, the talent, the fit, the tape, it was all there. Again, we're still going to see what's going to happen in preseason week two and week three, but I'm with you. I think Hayden is too, that the fit just makes so much sense. The draft capital investment when comparing it to the rest of the roster makes sense. And they even said they wanted to spend a third round pick on them. They just didn't have one. And so they took him as soon as they could in the fourth round. Yeah. And, and no, that's all great points. And that's the thing is what's the kind of MO on Tevin Coleman at this point is he's going to get banged up. <laughs> you know, it's just, yep. it is what it is. Like it, it, I love Tevin. I, I was there in Atlanta when we drafted him, but it's, that's what he is. And, but that's actually going to be kind of perfect because the times he is healthy, he's going to take those 10 touches away from Michael in, in the sense that I'll keep Michael Carter healthy. You know, it's kind of like it benefits both, but that's where I think where he does get banged up. And if he is healthy early on the season, okay, okay, it's going to be one of those where it ascends. And how many times we see that in the Shanahan offense where it's like week four, week six, some random week, awesome, boom. It's like, oh, there's another running back with 140 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> you know, I, I, I would say that maybe take the early lumps where they're figuring out the rotation because I do think he is going to be their number one option. I, I just think throughout this whole season, that's how it's going to go. All right. All right. Just like we expected, this show is absolutely flying by. We are through four names. We are over 40 minutes in because we just keep going on tangents, but that's the best part of the show. All right. Number five, the last big name that you want to talk about is what, Nate Tice? Okay. I think, uh, God, it's like I, I, there's one I want to go low ball, but I'm going to go high. Uh, CD Lamb, it's at receiver nine, and I, I think he's going to be a top five receiver this year. Uh, I think even with that fantastic, phenomenal offense with all the options they have, the rapport he has with Dak, he already had it last year in the first four weeks before Dak got hurt. I mean, it's only going to go like through the roof. How they use them, they're very smart. Where CeeDee Lamb is what I call a power slot in the sense that it's more of that Larry Fitzgerald, um, Chris Godwin slot where they're running more vertical routes. And CeeDee Lamb is really freaking good at them. 
And I think that they end up in a ton of shootouts. The defense can't is not gonna is it's gonna be every game is gonna be a track meet. I mean, every single one of those games, especially playing on turf and indoor with good weather. And I think they just have a good report. And I just think it's gonna be he's gonna I think Amari, all of them are gonna contribute. I think Dak is gonna put up a ton of yards this year, a ton of points. I put a feeler on him as a MVP winner Love just because of narr- narrative and shit. Like, you know, I just I just could see that. And I think CD is going to benefit more than anyone. I know I'm not going crazy. He's receiver nine at this point, but I think it's going to, I think he deserves to be more in that kind of upper tier conversation, especially statistically, because it's like just, I I can see so many of these games going 45, 38, 42, 30, you know, 31, 21, you know, just like a lot of touchdowns being had. Like it was the first four games of last season when Dak was the quarterback one in fantasy football. Exactly. And I think CD more than anyone else. And I like Gallup. I like Amari Cooper. I like the tight ends they have, like Zeke and everything, like the Tony Pollard. I think the O-line's better. Um, just being healthy helps. But I think CD is just going to go up, like, shoot up. And I, I mean, I know he's been kind of a hard knocks favorite and Twitter favorite already, but I don't think what people are realizing how they're going to use him because we're seeing just red zone clips, him catching fade balls and stuff. Yeah. I think more of these seam benders and over routes he's going to get a lot of these 15 20 yard gains 15 20 yard gains it might be a lot of games where it's like four catches for 90 yards and a touchdown you know like just it's not gonna be a 12 catch guy it's gonna be more of just chunks but it's coming not the outside speed roll it's kind of a it's kind of a weird thing to wrap your head around but i think that's where he's going to contribute but i think it's just going to happen over every week weekend week out because that's hard to defend not a lot of guys have guys that can defend that weekend week out hayden i think this is an important statement because while we all love C.D. Lamb, obviously, because he's going as the wide receiver nine, there pretty much is a clear tier of those top four names in Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, and Calvin Ridley. So if we can pinpoint that name in that next cluster of the D.K. Metcalfs, A.J. Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, so on and so forth, that shoots up in to that top four, top five, and C.D. Lamb getting that at wide receiver nine, that would make a ton of sense and would absolutely be hitting on massive value, despite obviously the early draft capital that you're spending on CD Lamb right now. He's this year's Calvin Ridley. Like last year, Calvin Ridley was like a third or fourth round pick. And like we saw it in glimpses and like, all right, all he just needs is a little more opportunity. And like, but bingo, that's what's going to happen right here. <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh, Calvin Ridley, I love, I, I'm sure you guys have seen me tweet about oh, yeah. him. Like I have bets on him as leading the league and then and yards this year. I think he is going to, I think in the net, it's so hard. It's so funny to say that about a guy that went to Alabama was a first round pick. It's like going to be, he's going to send to that national spotlight. I really do think this year yeah. I actually had him noted, but he was receiver four. So what am I going to say? Oh, he ends up receiver two. Like, you know, <laughs> you know like that, no, like that's where he should be valued at, but he's right. Kind of, he, I think he's a true upper tier guy. Um, got a few other names. I could freaking fire through. Do it. Do it. Too. All right, here we go. Let's do it. I think Jonathan Taylor deserves to be better than running back 10. Uh, huh. I think he is a star star. Uh, I think he's going to get work, no matter if it's Wentz starting or Easton starting or uh, Sam Ellinger starting. Like, whoever whoever's starting there, he's going to get work. He's a freak at the position. He's flashing in a major way. I love Naeem Hines as a role player. I, I think Robert – Robert uh, brought him up on the on show, on yes. track, which was awesome. Which was awesome. He's like a he's like a, our our podcast mascot. But it's it's uh, but Jonathan Taylor though, they're going to find ways to get him the ball. Like I think they're building the offense more around him now than maybe whatever passing. Everyone's worried about the receiver and the passing attack. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to get like they're going to be like no, let's kind of no matter what who we have starting at quarterback, they're going to feed him. So I think opportunity talent like that that one just makes a ton of sense to me, and I see him more as like. 
upper tier than running back 10 uh, it, to me. It, it's all been preseason talking points, but their coaches have basically highlighted and pinpointed Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman as like the two pillars of the offense as being like the hammers of the mm-hmm. offense. And I, I I can totally see it with Jonathan Taylor. Love him as yeah. a player. And maybe I, I think at this point in the calendar, we have to like try to take a step back and say, okay, the Carson Wentz injury can be massive. The Quentin Nelson injury can be massive, but there's so many unknown elements to it. But also like what happens if there are questions to the offense and how much more they just going to rely on. Maybe his efficiency goes down a little bit, but the volume might even more just go up. He might just be a total freak, which he showed last season too. And he's just super explosive. It's those guys that, okay, it, it, they might, like you said, Quentin Nelson might not be healthy or, or late to start this year. And okay, he can turn, Jonathan Taylor can truly turn a two-yard gain into, if it's blocked for two yards, into 10 yards. If it's blocked for four yards to 12 yards, because he has, he's not just a big bruising back. Like as much as I love Najee Harris, he doesn't have that, you know, down the field speed. Uh, uh, I, you know, uh, no, I don't know. I'm roping in Najee Harris here. I don't know why, but you know, he's, he was more like James Conner to me. Jonathan Taylor is more like a freak. Like he can turn anything. And that's, he's so big and fast and he can do the running back style stuff pretty good. Like he, I would say he has pretty good vision and everything, but I was watching him last year, just dominate games. Like where you're like, that guy's the best player on the field. Like if you watched him against the Bengals, it was like, he ran over, he ran over uh, Je- Jesse Bates, the safety on like the first play of the game. Like, it's just like, he sets the tone. And so I think, I think this year when the Colts have so many question marks on what, where they're at as a franchise, I think, especially on offense, I think they go, Hey, we got a star right here, lean into it. And then we'll figure out our passing attack afterwards. So I, I, I not just cause he's a badger. Do I love him? But it's, <laughs> I do, I do see just kind of like him as a player. I, I, I think I, He's just even better than I think we realize. Um, that yeah, I, any I any more, others? Because I know you, you have you have a few more. I have a few more. Uh, 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 Sticking with rookies, I love Kylan Hill. Couldn't believe oh. he lasted till se- I couldn't believe he lasted till the seventh round. Uh, but if you're looking for a deep guy to stash or or someone in a dynasty league or you know somebody that with injuries could break right because he's a true three down guy as well. Um, uh, just going for the offenses he ran at Mississippi State too. He went to Mike Leach's offense the last year. I know they butted heads, and that's why his production wasn't there. But I, I think his talent level—he was a legit guy. I think I had a third, fourth round grade on him. Should have gone way higher than he did. Uh, but he's a real dude. Like he's a real player. Like I think they're almost squeezing out uh, a couple of other guys that they have there, which is kind of funny. But if they have injuries. Aaron Jones maybe gets banged up. I see Kyle Hill taking his role more than anyone else that they have on that roster. It, it's just because what he brings to the table. He's a true three down guy, and uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a guy that's a deep deep sleeper type uh, for as a rookie. Got a couple more too. <laughs> if we want, we keep going. All right, let's stick with rookies. QB wise, Trey Lance at QB eleven. I just think with the running production he's going to have. I think it's, it's statistically he's going to be a little bit better than we realized. Um, I think he's the week one starter. I don't care whatever. I think we all realize that by this point. I think he's a difference maker. There's going to be some hiccups in the passing game. But I think no matter what, he's going to have that running floor because the offense, I think they're going to kind of create around him. It's going to be almost like hybrid single wing shit, you know, combined with some like, you know, the passing with Ayuk and Debo and all that fun stuff. Yeah, and that's the thing. They were doing that with Jimmy G and Beathard and all the other guys. They were starting there, and it looked good. Now they got a QB that actually can keep the ball, 
which adds like the option offense is supposed to have the quarterback option a part of it. It's not supposed to be just an automatic handoff. Yeah. So now they have a guy. Now they have a guy that can who's legit two hundred thirty some pounds that can run all that stuff. Like yeah, that's gonna be. I, I think he's gonna be a sneaky rookie. To uh, not sneaky, I shouldn't say sneaky because he's the number three pick. Like who am I telling like anybody here? But I think of all the rookies, yeah. he was the one I I want the most of. Nate, uh, we, we've talked a lot about Trey Lance in this show, so I actually want to ask a follow up question in a different way. I think that ADR touchdown showed something that showed that he's just different than anyone on the roster. Uh, I know you've spent time working with teams. I know you've spent time around NFL teams growing up too. Do any memories come up during those periods where you realized, oh, this guy is is just different and who that was? Or even the opposite end of a, maybe a guy you just drafted or just signed and immediately either in early training camp or the first preseason game out there. And he's just like, Oh, this guy is not what we were expecting at all. I'll go negative real quick. It yeah. was uh, J- Jalen Collins with the Falcons. I was like, Oh boy. Like that. <laughs> that was one. I first week of mini camp. I was like, this guy doesn't even know how to press. Uh, but that was maybe a negative one. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a negative one real quick, by the way. I, yeah. I, I had a cup of coffee with the, uh, St. Louis Rams. And remember they spent a top three overall pick on Jason Smith out of, out of Baylor at, at left tackle. And after one week of training camp, they said to themselves, okay, next year we're going to have to draft another left tackle. And they immediately <laughs> moved into right is, tackle. And oh, drafted Roger Saffold to play left tackle. That's right. And then, but that's before they even put pads on too. That's what, that's yeah. what's scary when they're in shorts and you're like, oh no, that, that's a scary thing. <laughs> I mean, the flip end was like, I mean, I was like a third or fourth grade, but Randy Moss didn't take long. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he took about two practices to go, wow, he's really freaking good. Um, I would say, try and just think of, oh, Kevin Williams, same way. It yeah. was like, he came in day one, uh, even like in a middle tier guy, I'm thinking more just guys around with my dad, like even like Mowalde Moore was like a fourth round rookie. And it was like, he acted like a pro. And it was just like, they were like, by like practice five as a rookie. And this is this is saying something back in the kind of mid-2000s. I would say with this new CBA, rookies, uh, I just use this time period, this last 10 years, rookies have been smarter because mm-hmm. kind of merging of college and pro games. So they can kind of come into more and also just how rosters are built now, yada, yada, yada. That's a whole other podcast. But then like rookies, it was like, they're not seeing the freaking field like ever. You're playing special teams. It's like a retro year. And uh, he was like their third down back like right away. So like guys like that, like that kind of get it. Falcons wise, I'm trying to think of a couple, um, you know, Jake Matthews was good. Like right away, you could tell, like, you're like, Oh, he's gonna be fine. Like he, <laughs> he's gonna be fine. You might not be great, but he's gonna be good. Um, oh, Grady Jarrett. That. Oh yeah. That guy, Grady. Grady Jarrett was like, yeah, he blew shit up like in the first two weeks. And I was like, okay, good. Good job guys. Like <laughs> you, you know, it's like, you just, even for guys who are like, Oh, it's not, it's all about consistency. Cause any guy can flash. That's I, I make the joke sometimes when guys run a 40 and, especially receivers and DBs and they take five minutes. I'm sorry for swearing, but no, you're okay. 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 All right. They take five minutes of stretch and then get ready and go. It's like being good in the NFL. You have to be good every day. It's 17 weeks, 18 weeks now consistency. Anyone can be good once it's these guys are good every single play. And that's what good is. If we undervalue, I think good, we go, Oh, he's good. It's like, no, he's fine. You know, it's like they're, Good is good. And I think we kind of undervalue that. But when you see a guy like Grady Jarrett come in as a rookie, you kind of just, you're like, oh, he's doing it every play. It's And then you see, you're trying to look for that for a lot of young guys. You're like, oh, there's a flash there. Okay, we're fine. But it's the scary ones that are like, you don't see any flashes. 
because it's like it, you know, flash is terms of consistency. It's when and then if a guy stays a flash guy, then it's like okay, we, he's a role player. Da, 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 da. But that's the thing is you're just looking for just some inkling, <laughs> you know, some inkling. This guy can at least be a football player and contribute for us at least. But uh, yeah, I mean th- that's what actually really excited about all these rookie quarterbacks. By the way, it, it's yeah. I had four guys with lottery grades, which is crazy for me. And then even Mac Jones had a late first on. It's like all these QB rookies are going to be ridiculous. Like I, I really am high on all of them. To, like it's going to be, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I feel a little bit bad for Mac and Hayden. And I talk about this a lot because, you know, people just destroyed him because he was wrongfully assumed as the number three overall selection. And I feel like it's being held against him now for, for absolutely no reason. No, the, he, he's in an awesome spot. He's in an yeah, awesome it, spot behind a top it, five offensive line, a team that's going to be top five in rushing attempts this year. I wouldn't be surprised in these next two preseason games, and maybe the Patriots won a minute, or maybe they do, if he just totally outthrows Cam Newton for the rest of the preseason, and we get interesting here heading into week one. I'm very curious how they play that out, because Cam's not going to relinquish it easily. And how and looking, looking at what they're doing, it's a lot of vertical stuff, like which is it's interesting. I, I'm curious. Matt can do it because he's so accurate. I, I compared it, and some people took it as a knock. I compared him to Chad Pennington, and I was saying, like, that's what he is. He's super smart and accurate, and every ball comes out freaking perfect. It's just that he's not going to create you anything, and that's fine. But when the Patriots don't want that, guess who? They had a quarterback that didn't create anything for about you know, 12, 15 years. <laughs> you know, he just operated from the pocket. They're comfortable with that. I think with Mac, it's funny is that if you had none of that, he might go number three, and he had, oh, he might he, – None of the Schefter stuff or anything like that came up, and he went 15 to Patriots. We all go, yeah, that makes sense. That's a good pick. He's a good player. He's going to work out for him. So I agree with you. It's hilarious. Nothing he did. He's just hanging out, you know, doing his pro day. You know, he's like, I didn't ask for any of this. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I do think I think he's he's even watched starting to watch some of these guys coming up for this next draft. It's like he would have been up there with these, this next draft too. Cause uh, I think that's what we get spoiled with this draft was pretty freaking ridiculous with these five quarterbacks that got drafted. Totally. Totally. Uh, yeah. Before we get out of here, Hayden, anything you want to ask Nate? Cause I've been uh, hogging his brain here for a little bit. Just when you're looking at rookie quarterbacks and rookie running backs in particular, like what are you looking for when you know that they're ready? Is it the footwork? Is it the, the vision for the running backs? Is it just like raw athleticism? Just early running backs on. for me. It, running backs for me is pass protection. It's okay. which is kind of fun, which is kind of funny, but because that shows me that they're working at it, they're intelligent, or they're at least working hard to understand that. Because uh, pass protection for a running back is almost a lot of uh, problem solving, and you can and you can't just fake it. You know what I mean? You, you, you get you get figured out pretty quick. Like you can fake the answers on the test if you got a little Q and A on Friday, but when Sunday when the bolts are flying, we figured out if you were studying or not. So I think actually that is when I can see them. If I see a team, especially coaches, do not want to play a rookie running back in pass protection. No line coach goes, "Hey, get him on the field on third down." They're going, "No, play the vet, play the vet," because they. Nothing's worse for a line coach than giving up a sack. It's on the running back or a tight end because the most fans just go, oh, line again. You know, so, so, and that's the thing. It's some running back blowing the protection. And so I, when I see a coaching staff put a run rookie on the field early on third down, I'm like, okay, that's okay. That means they trust them a little bit. And also uh, patience, tempo, I, which is, I think is the buzzword for this show right now, but just understanding run concepts. I think some guys, even since Little League, you put the best position player at running back or used to. And a lot of times, some of those guys never get out of that where they're just the biggest and fastest guy in the field. And they just catch the toss and just go. And seeing, understanding, hey, I'm no longer the biggest, fastest guy in the field, unless you're Jonathan Taylor, 
it's maybe more I have to be polished and everything and seeing that kind of slow, almost running slow, slow to the hole is kind of something you want to see. You kind of like want to just see that vision, those wheels turning. Because all of a sudden you see a guy going slow and then pattering their feet. That means that guy has no idea what he's looking at and he's scared. I don't want to say scared, but kind of going, you know, kind of have that moment. Quarterback wise, same thing. Protections. And I hate sounding like just a true meathead with that stuff, but it matters. It's because that's usually the next step when the guys are like, oh, they have to get their head in the playbook. It's because they don't understand protection stuff or they don't understand uh, if you're a receiver, you don't understand blocking stuff and you're just letting the safety go. And it's like, yeah, it's a four yard gain. No one notices, but it should have been a 20 yard gain. You know, those little kind of little things, sometimes the freaky receivers or anything, you don't care. You're just like, <laughs> you just, yeah, we're fine. You don't have to block anybody. Just, you know, just go do you. Um, but quarterback wise, seeing eyes is a big thing. Um, that's why I actually was very uh, impressed with even how Justin Fields, I'm high on him anyways, was seeing him process the, uh, the reads. And you, over time, and as you got, like, as you kind of just figure out kind of how plays look, you can kind of start feeling how quarterbacks have panicked eyes. The guys have no idea what the hell is going on. That's why I've been low on Drew Locke the last couple of years. Is they look, and you can tell they only knew one route on this play, which is fine sometimes. Some guys still do it. Trust me, There's I'm not going to get into names, but there's a couple of vet quarterbacks that still do this. But they look, and then it's like they have no plan in their head. But if you look at like a Justin Fields, he had a, it wasn't a hard concept, but he's even going like, you could see his eyes process. He recognized the coverage. He peeped the safety. He looked at the over route. He looked at the go route, and then he checked the ball down. It was just like calm eyes, I think is the best way to put it, or fast eyes or peeking, and it's not the panicked look. Like if you see a quarterback going like this, left or right, that is not good. But if you see a guy glance and then go right, fine. But it's the extended stairs to both sides. That means they are guessing, and they're mm-hmm. hoping something pops open. So that's, that's something I usually look for. I know it's kind of one of those things you have to kind of see a visual on. But it's that is usually kind of what I'm hoping to see from young quarterbacks. And that's what's so cool about these young guys is all of them are doing it at this point, which is like, it's really, uh, we're going to get spoiled with this class. I, really yes. <laughs> when, I think so. <laughs> basically to simplify it, like when the game slows down for them, I actually yep. think of it like with, with, all with defensive players, like corners, safeties, linebackers, when they're tackling someone and they try to punch the ball at the same time, because the it's, game slows down for them in those moments, we're not actually thinking about that because so many, I mean, the vast majority of other players just want, see it, tackle it, get to ground. And for those ones that, you know, try to do the little bit of extra and what you're talking about, the game is slowing down for them. So it, it kind of feels like they're comfortable in that moment. And a lot of, a lot of positions, like when you're just scouting a team or a, a unit, or a lot of times when I just watch a game and, you know, put some on YouTube, I'll just watch a game and hopefully game pass comes back sometime soon. <laughs> And what, what I say, I know what I say is I just let it wash over me. Like yeah. I just kind of watch it and I just say, who's standing out? Like, yeah, oh man, that guy just that's how I kind of came across Darnell Savage. And not came across him, but I was like, man, this, you know, this time my first pretty freaking good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, the past six months, I just been singing his praises because it's like this guy's not just pretty good, he's outstanding. It's you want to see, like you were saying with defensive guys, you want to see him around the ball because and baseball, usually the best players are the guys that score the most runs because they're just on base a lot or hitting home runs, you know, because that means they're affecting the game positively somehow. I look at that, especially defensive players, but just how you affecting the game positively or positive, you know, in a positive manner. That's why I think O-linemen have, I know I'm going all over the place with this, but that's why I always think O-linemen uh, matter so much is because they're doing shit every single play. A receiver might only run 20 routes, you know, but there's 60-something plays in an NFL game. 
And yeah, there may be valuable situations on five of those targets, but guess what? The offensive line have to block for all 60 of those plays. And yes, this is some of parts. I know that this is more of a philosophical thing, but just how you affect the game in a positive way. And sometimes it doesn't always show up in box score, box score stuff, but usually the box score stuff follows because then the guy, the coaches notice it. And then, you know, the quarterback, if it's a receiver going like, man, this guy's blocking his ass off. All right. Now he's our starting Z. Okay. I'm going to start feeding him. You know, just those, it kind of starts adding up, especially for guys that aren't just true stars right away. The guys that kind of ascend over time, the middle round picks, you just kind of look for them around the ball or just positively affecting the game, which could matter. It matters different on different positions. Nate, this has been incredible. We can keep you for another hour. We will not do that to you today. Um, everyone out there, go and support Nate Tice. He's on Twitter at Nate underscore Tice. You can also check out multiple shows per week. I'm sure they're gearing up for the regular season here at the Athletic Football Show with our buddy Robert Mays as well. Nate, thanks so much for doing this, man. We had an absolute blast with you. Thank you guys so much. All right. It's Hayden. I'm Josh. That's Nate. Up the villa. Everyone didn't get to talk soccer with Nate here. Talk to you all soon. See ya.